So due diligence, as always, is brought to you by Do Media Inc., my production company, video production. Any of your video production needs, give us a call at Do Media. And Eric, uh, yep. go ahead and tell us about uh, the Dude About Town, which is architecture, photography, and Heights Clothing Company, which is, in my opinion, some of the best Heights and Shaker spirit where you're going to find. In Cleveland Heights, the question for residents is a matter of change. Signs lining the lawns urging the more than 32,000 voters in the city to either vote to keep or change the way they've governed themselves for 98 years. And let the chips fall where they may in November. Let the voters decide what's in the best interests of our city. Citizens for Good Government has conceded this election. We all care about this great city that we call home. We all want it to be better. The citizens of Cleveland Heights will have a say over who they want to be the mayor. Mayor Blackwell, welcome to Due Diligence, uh, the podcast here. Uh, was Thank excited, you for having me. Excited to have you, excited to talk to you. Um, as Cleveland Heights is moving to an elected mayor, as maybe you've heard, what, are, what have you heard about Cleveland Heights? What's going on? What have you? What do you know? Right before I had my second child, who is uh, 31 now, so we lived at 1669 Coventry Road for about five years. My son went to the elementary school right on the other side of the park at the top of the hill. When you pass Tommy's mm -hmm. for Coventry. Yeah, Grums mm -hmm. and, and, and Tommy's. I forget the name of the little school that he went to. Great place to, to do Halloween, uh, Halloween. No, Coventry School. Coventry School. Yep. That was mm -hmm. the name of it. Yep. It's um, since closed, actually. Oh, is it? It was controversial. Yeah. But I remember uh, taking the kids uh, trick or treat. I used to go to St. Anne's. Mm -hmm. um, huge church. Mm -hmm. um, the kid, But it was a great walk for my son. I mean, walking from Coventry. So I, I know a lot. I used to live in, in, in this Cleveland. I mean, I'm sorry, in Cleveland Heights. Sorry. So uh, how did you end up in Maple Heights? Um, a marriage ended, and it was time to, to maybe move somewhere else, do something different, start over. A friend of mine was uh, looking at a home in Maple Heights but didn't like it because it was a bungalow. She was a single mom and she didn't like the fact that the rooms were upstairs. And she said, I know you're looking for something. Um, you should look at this house. I've met the owner. It's a great, great opportunity. You should probably take a look. Um, looked at it, made a, and it was a land contract. Uh, remember I was starting over mm -hmm. and uh, bought the house, fell in love with the community. So, you uh, you broke some new ground here in Maple Heights in 2016, right? Yeah, the, yeah, in the hundred-year history, Cleveland Heights and Maple Heights are both almost exactly the same age, a hundred years old. Yeah. First hundred years, what they had 14 white men mayors in this town. 15. Uh, 15. I'm, I'm number 16. You're number 16. So yes. you and then so you broke you broke some new ground here. I did. Uh, what um, what was that like for you and 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 um, to to do that? And did you ran on new energy, right? Like even some of those guys were, were tired, right? Like it needed a, a new energy more than anything probably, right? Um, it needed new energy, but more than anything, it needed someone that could, re more relatable to the people. The, the demographics had changed. Mm. Um, you know, there are probably a third of the house homes are single female headed households. Um, the city, when I won in, in 2016, was about 67% African-American, probably about 72 percent African-American now. We'll see when the census comes out. I'm not saying that only African-Americans are only people that can, can lead an African-American city, but he or she certainly understands the challenges. He or she can relate to the lived experiences. Um, and so I believe that 
that relativity had been lost and not having leadership that could really drill down and make that connection. What's been helpful for me is to be able to make the connection. Um, and so uh, I was able to bring that to, to, to that office, the mayor's office, transparency. And people felt a sense of connection because this is someone that looks like me, talks like me, similar lived experience. Um, I'd come from some brokenness. I just mentioned you know, mm -hmm. that I, I kind of reinvented myself over a divorce. My children went to the local schools, so everybody knew my kids. And so that, you know, that's DJ Devin or Sian's mom. And so they just like, this is a real person, you know? So um, it was exciting when you asked me how I felt. It was emotional. I come from the Deep South. Um, I come from a Jim Crow area. My grandmother was the cook for the family on, on um, sharecropping that had owned most of those homes. My relatives picked cotton. My grandmother got to work in air conditioning because she worked in the house. And so I come from a place where when we did go to town, my grandmother would tell me, make sure you look down. Don't look a white person directly in the eyes. Well, you know, I was a little rebel. I kind of look at them anyway at the side of my eyes like, what, why can't I? I mean, what's mm -hmm. the difference? But then, that, then the word is I had to become a northerner mm -hmm. or a Yankee. They still use that term. Um, so for me, it was remembering her, watching her feed this family, this little house, which is not far from the big house, which, you know, Mm -hmm. the sharecroppers or the cook gets to live in. And I had beaten all these odds of this person who couldn't even look a white person in the eyes, the red dirt, and come from this line, you know, just three generations from, from slavery. It was a big deal. It was very emotional. And you ended up in the tax uh, business, huh? So you were, uh, you worked at Deloitte, you worked, worked at Deloitte. Ryan, and mm -hmm. uh, you were, a, your specialty, specialty was property tax analyst, was, was yes. sort of your, yes. your, um, right. your division. Uh, I would think that translated pretty well. It did. Right? It really did. I understood it. So it was property tax consulting. So it started off Deloitte, but there's a law called Sarbanes-Oxley, where mm -hmm. you, can't be the, you, know, you can't be the auditor and the tax consultant. So Deloitte sold off its consulting practices, sales and use income franchise property tax. We ended up being Ryan. Same building, Key Tower. So now you're on the 26th, 27th floor, 28th floor, excuse me. Because Deloitte had, I think, 31, 32, and 33. So I just moved my box downstairs and, you know, on a new floor, got off a new floor on the elevator at Key Tower. But spent 16 years in that transition. Only your phone extension changes. The work stays the same. Your colleagues stay the same. But certainly understanding the appraisal cycle, how property tax impacts schools, parks, how that distribution takes, takes place, how it makes up the revenue. Um, just really understanding. I knew all 88 counties, you know, although I only work in one, um, but I understood the makeup of local government in the sense of the, the, the taxation or assessing districts. I worked very closely with Department of Taxation, so I knew how to work. But the thing I want to really share, I think it's important, the mayor, especially with, with Cleveland Heights transitioning, is the CEO. She, he or she is the chief executive officer. I was comfortable in boardrooms. Um, because when we made a uh, presentation, the, the engagement team, because we weren't going after the engagement or them signing the contract that we'd be their provider of, of property tax services, huge shopping center, you know, they've got 60 uh, stores and they don't want to process all these tax bills from various assessing districts. You know, we, we worked in all the districts, Texas, who has like, I don't know how many taxing districts, depending on where you are. And so I was comfortable in a boardroom. I was comfortable in deal making. That's important for that person's going to sit in that chief executive office. And I, I, I had that comfortability, and that was a very transferable skill. I understood it well. And uh, 
you came into a pretty rough financial situation here, right? <laughs> so explain, explain what situation you were in in 2016 when you took over, why you ended up there, and how you got out of it. Sure. So being a, a concerned citizen, a, a well-read citizen, I knew the city was in fiscal trouble in 2014. There was talk that we'd go into a fiscal watch because the 2008 reevaluation, reappraisal, and I understood that well, values, property tax values in Maple had dropped about 30, over 30, almost 30 percent. And then in the a triennial, which is the three-year, like mid-year of the six-year, six-annual cycle for property tax reappraisal, dropped another 18 percent. So most people were underwater. They owed, they're, they're, they owed more, you know, their, 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 their house was not worth what they had paid for it. And so they owed more on it than it was worth. And so that's trouble. So now our school system's going to suffer. Even though it's a, a, not the significant part of the tax, the revenue, it would be income tax. But that was going to just really kind of affect everything, as it did. So in 2015, we were declared in um, fiscal watch. No, I'm sorry, 2014 fiscal watch. 15 came, it was emergency. Quickly it moved to emergency to the tune of $2.79 million. That you were and under, that you were in the deficit. In the deficit, the general fund, the general fund. And, and so there's a general fund, which is the main operating fund. Of course, there's special revenue funds that we get for levies and some local government funding. Um, Did they know that was coming? Like 2.5, that's a huge gap to suddenly emerge, right? Yes, my understanding um, is they did. There wasn't a plan, and I think there was sticker shock. And then there became uh, disbelief, and there became obstinance like, I dare you. It's not our fault, and I'm speaking of a prior administration, that this happened. There should be some reprieve. And I understand there was a lot of back and forth with the auditors mm -hmm. about what they believe was a very unfair assessment that, that uh, put them in that position. There was some missed water department payments. Mm -hmm. The finance director said they had the money, but she just didn't get a chance. There were a lot of stories about why we got there, but no one took the time to move from the shock, oh my gosh, real fiscal emergency, to Let's just fix it. So I came in knowing that. And I came in with the determination to just make it go away. It's bad public relations. Businesses are apprehensive about coming to a city that on paper says we're failing. Um, it's, it's people feel like they've made a mistake. How are we gonna get the return on my, my investment? You know, For many of us, me included, you're how much your biggest investment? Where's the return if I have to send Jimmy to college or I get sick for heaven's sakes, you know, I, you know, I wanna redo my kitchen. Um, for many people, irrespective of what your race or ethnicity, it's generational, it's a way to build some generational wealth. And so all of those things said, this is a bad, bad designation for the city of Maple Heights and the people of Maple Heights and the businesses of Maple Heights. And so we just kind of were standing still. The morale of the employees were, I gave a raise for the first time in 11 years. They haven't had a raise in 11 years because he kept saying, you know, we're in fiscal emergency, do more with less. You know? And so the people that were really committed, which is why I really didn't, I didn't come in firing everyone. I wanted to understand why they stayed. These are some special people. The city was failing, but yet they were hanging on. They were hopeful that maybe this mayor can, <laughs> can, can. And so I don't want to come in, you know, with this super team. I was new. And I understand on the other side of any decision I make as a family is a way of life. Very careful about making that decision. The person's, the dad's got to come and say, I lost my job. Or the mom, I lost my job. 
So I, I, I'm very careful. And uh, there are a lot of people that are still with me. We did it together. So what would you point to or the major reasons why you were able to pull yourselves out of an emergency? Well, there's something called a budget. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. The uh -huh. mayor needs to look at it. Uh -huh. I think the mistake that some mayors make, they leave it to the finance director. Mm. The finance director delivers it for council meetings or before, and, and, you, and you look at it. And, and you kind of say, oh, okay. That's it. I can't believe when I start looking, I began, well before, as soon as I won, I asked the previous mayor for the budgets, I could understand. And I began to red market and understand, okay, it's fund accounting, this is general fund, but there's all of this money in these special revenue funds. Wait a minute, this, the general fund's in deficit. Because terminology is important too. Why aren't we accessing special revenue funds? We had like five hundred some thousand dollars in deposits we should have returned for people that put money in escrow for are they still in business? How do we get this? I mean, what's going on? And so I am a line by line item person. And I just start asking the finance director to her irritation. And I to the point of like, you don't trust me, you ask me a million questions. No, sweetie, it's not that I don't touch. I'm trying to understand. Would you understand? I come with a different set. Now I'm not a CPA, mm -hmm. but I've been around financial statements, can read our op operating statement and understand pretty well. I've been a mom. We were a small business owner. I kinda under I understand enough to ask you some questions mm -hmm. to see if we're arriving at the same conclusion. Because I want us to get to a strategy. Perhaps we can together come up with how we can address this. But it was met with resistance, I start asking directors. They didn't know. And, and I started saying, I want to see every PL. Mm -hmm. Let, let's see the PLs. So I, I'd ask the director, okay, service director, what number are you using? They were just using the same number. Okay, but there's a line in for tires. Are you using the tire? I'm, hmm. And so what is your budget? Nobody knew what their budget was. So I charged them, if you're a director, you must know what your budget is or you cannot manage your department. Mm -hmm. Before you put a PO, your assistant needs to know, has she looked to see is there enough money there? Are you forecasting for the year out? So we did classes and conversations. I, be, I put together a monthly director's meeting because I was used to having an engagement team meeting. So if we're gonna go pursue, Four City was a client of ours. We're gonna go pursue, we've got engagement. How are we gonna approach them? We've already calculated what their, their tax liability is, what we think we can say, what's over-assessed, what's under-assessed, when they, how quickly they need to move because the appraisal cycle's coming here, you know. So it's a strategy meeting is what it is. And so my monthly director's meetings became, oh, strategy meetings. So they could all be around the room and in person felt like they were being singled out. I don't know what your budget is. Okay, so you're getting an AFG grant, fire chief. Tell me you're gonna spend it. What's gonna happen? And so I challenged them to look at something they just were on a shelf, which is all this paper being printed. Mm -hmm. But the thing that was really key, I come from an environment where you've got charge codes. It's kind of like an attorney. So if I work on a client, AB, I won't use it, ABC company that owns 60 shopping centers, and uh, maybe I'm just reviewing the tax bill, maybe I'm putting the paperwork together for the assessment appeal we're gonna file. I've gotta charge my time to that client. There's so much money allocated to the client we expect to get in, in revenue fees. We weren't doing that. Everybody was just sitting like the, everybody was just hitting the, the basically the general fund. So if the, if the service guys are working on a water project, 
and we have $300,000 on the water fund, why aren't we charging the fund for the water? Why aren't we allocating that time? Let's allocate the time based on the description of the work because we had a lot of money for people in special revenue funds. Nobody was at. It's just easy to sit the, well, we call the general administrative fund. You know, if you if I had nothing and I came in and I was going to file, I could maybe just hit G. But we're only allowed in our chargeable hours to use that code when I just no client to charge. We have our clients change it to funds. These are our funds. Tell me how what you're doing can be charged to this fund because this fund has three hundred thousand in it. Mm -hmm. This one has two hundred thousand. Forget about the general, the, the general revenue fund, which is basically salaries and benefits. And so we broke it down in that way. So the picture wasn't as bad as that two point five no. million dollar number. No. It was just a matter of how you organize things and making sure things were billed, like yeah. on a basic level, just sort of stripping it down. Like yes, yeah. yes. Hmm. And then we were very aggressive in pursuing grants. Mm -hmm. I made friends. I joined the Cuyahoga Mayor's City Manager. Like, okay, well, that's kind of reckless. It's three thousand dollars, and this woman's in fiscal emergency. Well, they said, well, because you're in fiscal emergency, we'd love to have Maple Heights. Let's see what we can do. When you and so now, of course, I pay the full fee. But initially, I need this organization. I need the expertise of these fifty-eight mayors. Please let me in. And you listen. And so I had a relationship with the mayor of Lakewood. And I said, you know, how do you do this? Everybody answered my calls. You have to be coachable. You have to share your vulnerabilities. I'm not sure how to do this, but I really want to get this right. And you don't have to write the book because somebody has that manual. Well, this is what we didn't like. What? Hey, how, do, how does this grant work? You should definitely pursue this grant. You know, the Ohio Department of Public Works is going to come. Work with your city engineer. Make sure you, they go for this grant. The city engineer was very experienced. He had been the city of Maple Heights for years. He's also their firm as an engineer in maybe 12 other cities. So I said, I need you to let me know when grants are coming. Let's get the grants. And we have 95% success rate. So every time you win a grant, that's less of a burden on the general fund, or even those special revenue funds, or they replenish those special revenue funds. You just keep hitting those funds and, and, and just you know releasing the burden. And then as it goes, it grows. And then I became an economic development director. That was $85,000 salary we were paying someone, well, more than that, with benefits. And there were leads, I went through the files, they were made from the office. So, I took the regional income tax agency, which we were a member of, the city of Maple Heights, I went on a courting, I went out looking for relationships. <laughs> Top 25, school, Maybe I say school district, of course, is the first, is, is the, our most, uh, is our largest employer. But I had worked there. I had, I had been uh, the coordinator of a parent literacy program, so I knew that. Sherwood Foods, they said, we have not seen a mayor. And I knocked on doors, and, and I had coffee, and I had donuts, and pizza, saying, what can we do for you? Thank you for being here. Any plans to leave? Any plans to expand? What can I do? We'll fix the road. We need more lighting. Our employees don't feel safe. And, and then I would go back and deliver on that. Okay, we need a light because when the employees come out of company A, B, and C, they said it's dark. It's, the light's been out for, for, for six months. The hole right there is just blowing everyone's, you know, what we call it, suspension system. <laughs> and I tailored projects for the service department and city projects or, or whoever, we got first energy, get the light fixed. Nobody was doing that. I let them, you can call me. And I call them back. You're gonna have an employee, I'll be there. 
and I put out a, uh, a quarterly newspaper. The previous mayor had been doing a newsletter and it was like, I said, I want to do this, so it was like 15,000. So I said, hmm. So I sold ads. I said, maybe, maybe it's hard where we to do that. And with enough ads, and so Neighborhood News prints a paper. I said, would you print our paper? We bring the ads? They said, absolutely. So we were, I saw that they were printing it for Slavic, I, asked Slavic, I saw Slavic Village, like, I forget the name of the paper. They said, oh, Neighborhood does News prints it for us. I said, well, if you print it for Slavic Village. And I sold ads. Same thing with Music in the Park. Those, the, the, the series had been canceled. And my person said, we can't do, we just can't afford it. I said, we'll just sell ads. We'll bring a food truck. I won't have staff come. So you don't have to cook hot dogs, not to pay them overtime or flex time. We'll do a food truck. People that want to buy food and then, you know, other people, they go to Mr. Chicken and buy a dinner and then bring their um, chicken. But from a business standpoint, it's, and then we'll hang, see who wants to sponsor it. So if it's sponsored by True Value, that's the sign. Music in the Park Tonight, sponsored by True Value. During intermission, you want to thank True Value for, it's, what is it, $200, $300 for a band? It's more than that to go on the radio. I made it local. We've talked about that on this podcast before, the public-private partnerships, and Cleveland Heights hasn't done that. You know, I don't know if they think it's uh, gauche or yeah. sort of like, you know, it, it's, I talked about it offending people's sensibilities to see Dick's Sporting Goods on the local ball field, you Sorry, know? it worked. Progressive Field does it. Right. The Cavs do it. Um, so, you know, there's dollars set aside, the corporations I've worked for, for advertising. Hmm. So And community outreach. Yeah, so I just yeah. want to, those dollars are allocated. They want to spend them, they want to spend them. So I want to get in, so they spend them with us. And we want to make sure that we, you know, we do the shops. There's a shop small program that cities do. That's what, once a year? I want it. You're going there all year long. And they love it. Their business increases. Um, sometimes, and now we've added uh, door prizes, so they donate. You can win a gift certificate, you know, if you come to the museum. It's just been a phenomenal program. I'm a public relations major, so I brought my public relate. I do my own public relations. I had to change the other big part of this fiscal recovery because you can't leave it out. It seems insignificant, but it's significant to change the public relations. I had to make people think, hmm, I hadn't thought about me whites like that. I had to change because the, the, the perception was we were dirty, dark, and dangerous. Dirty, dark, and dangerous. You cannot sell a city that's dirty, dark, and dangerous. To change the public relations. I wanted every light that was out replaced. First of all, let's, let's get rid of the darkness. Where we can clean, let's, let's, let's get rid of the dirt. Let's, let's be very clear about the dirt. So I changed, uh, I saw the trash cans that other cities had, because some people had $5 trash cans from Dollar General, and they'd be in the, the, the street with the biggest one, and I talked to Waste Management, and I said, I want what other cities have. And he said, well, that's the recycle thing, and that's this one. So when you go down now, I still do it. But it's like the community, everybody has the same trash cans. Everybody has the same ones. It's this uniform. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's green and yellow every, you know, every mm -hmm. week. You know, the lid, yellow lid been recycled. So there's just a sense of pride. Mm -hmm. And so we changed the public relations. We planted flowers at City Hall. There were no flowers. We painted the walls of City Hall and I had an open house and the little girl, Grace, sat in my chair, she was mayor one day, she was four years old, I paid her, put her in a chair because people open up City Hall, it's the people's house. We put a Christmas tree in the gazebo. And we had, uh, I went to hang Christmas lights and everybody kept telling me what we don't do or we can't do. 
oh, yeah, we don't, we don't really do Christmas lights. I mean, it's just, he's like, well, we will. Take me to the service garage. <laughs> and there were 10 strings of stuff that was really dirty, really old. So the first year we probably, it was a very dismal lighting. I said, it's okay. People didn't care. I asked local churches. My dad was a minister. I am a deaconess at my church. If they bring their choir, gospel choirs to sing. They sang in front of the Veterans Memorial, the Singer Center, and some singers donated coffee and, and cookies. Nobody cared there was five strings. We were having a Christmas ceremony. So I told the finance director, every year you need to set aside at least 500 bucks. For, and I keep adding, and I keep adding, and I have a awesome, awesome Christmas line display now. Took six years, mm -hmm. but. But a big impact for not a huge investment. You just had to, just had to bump it up on the priority list, right? Yes. It's just, you just gotta, the things that, that, that resonate with people, that, that make you feel good, and there's a you can't sacrifice those lands things. Lands and buildings? what you can do in lands and buildings. Yeah. Well, lands and build buildings need Christmas lights, so yeah. let's, let's budget that in the lands and buildings. So we've got that. Flowers, lands and buildings. I need at least $1,000 every year. We're gonna do some perennials and some annuals because City Hall looks to be amazing. And I asked my service director, I won't mention the city because it's a former, it's a colleague of mine. Where do you live? He lives in a very nice neighborhood. He said, do me a favor. On your way home, drive past your City Hall. Tell me what the flowers look like. He comes in my office and said, because that's what I want. This is my affluent neighborhood. Mm. You can't discount. This is where I live. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for those people. That's a great point. Um, we're sitting here in Dunham Park right yes. now. Lovely Dunham Park. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just going to get lovelier, right? Explain yes. to me. So this was a city park. It was a city park, right. And you turned it over to Metro Parks. In Cleveland Heights, we have Forest Hill, which was where the Rockefeller Estate was, right? Yeah. And it was shared with East Cleveland. It could be this magnet that 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 spreads, um, you know, um, development and, and just sort of like uh, interest in that neighborhood. It's a gorgeous neighborhood. Of, well, I of, grew up on Thornhill Drive. Okay. Eddie Road. Yep, okay. That's where I grew up. That's the park. Grand Pappy Hill, mm -hmm. Sixth Grade Picnic, Roll Down, yep. um, Duck Pond, kids. So I know the park well. So I know where you're going. This park, I would hear from the service department. When I started, there was only five guys in the service department. Five. There's 23,000 residents. It's almost six square miles. Five guys. So this is what they couldn't get to. You know, they're going to cut vacant lots. I wanted lights. I wanted flowers. I wanted crisp. Like, okay, woman, you know, I want, I want potholes filled. We can't get to the park. But family reunions and churches and people walking their dog come to the park. I mean, we, we, don't, we don't have much. We've got to have the park. So we struggled. They got it done, but it was always just this, oh, we got to do the park. We got to do all these. We have seven parks for seven districts, right? Some are bigger than others. And I said, just a mile, half, not even a mile is Valley View. So I said, come on, we, we, we got to do better. So my assistant at the time, because I had the assistant of the previous mayor, I, I didn't change staff. He had a, he'd been here 20-some years, great institutional knowledge. So he knew the people they called, oh, Mrs. Smith, yes, the new mayor is in. He, he was able to make those introductions because he knew, everybody knew him. And um, his uh, girlfriend uh, had been a mayor of a small city. And gone to a dinner at the Metro Parks, and he came to me and he said, I'd like to have an idea. And that was the thing. They just didn't share their ideas. These are brilliant people with a lot of knowledge and connection. I was at a, you know, an event in the Metro Parks. 
you know, they're, they're looking and buying parks and partnering with cities. You know, I know Dunham Park is, is, is a, a big deal. We're on the border of Watton Hills Village and da 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 da. You know, it's close to the metro, you know, the Bedford's Metro Park system because there's a golf course mm -hmm. that used to be called Astorhurst. You know, I maybe, played it. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, maybe we mm -hmm. should do something. So well, give me the idea. So I tell you what, go flush it all out and give me the details. Two days later, he's got this whole proposal. He's like, what do you think? I said, we're gonna go for it. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. Get me a name, let's go for it. it. Took us about a year, and on my birthday, on my birthday, which is June 22nd, uh, 2018, was it 18 or 19? I'm losing, 18, I believe. We uh, signed a deal. This is, we leased this park to Metro Parks, 99 years for a dollar. This is now a Metro Parks. So, Cleveland Heights, everyone hates to give up their fiefdom, right? And despite the fact that being on the Metro Park maps, the Metro Parks are yes. probably considered the best run organization in the county. Absolutely. They're, it's the one thing that binds the county, right? Mm -hmm. Is the Metro Parks park system, is, is, their, is their pieces, you know? And I don't know, like I think it's, it's one of my little sort of like side issues that I like to hammer a lot is just that why aren't we, why aren't we really talking about it? You know, like that park has so much history and it's an urban park, which I think the Metro mm -hmm. Parks wants more urban parks. Yeah. Um, and again, it's that connective tissue yeah. in, in the rest of the county. I just, uh, it sounds like you have no regrets is what, I'm, is what I'm getting at. It addresses environmental justice. I come from, I mentioned when I'm sitting here, a rural area. I know how important this is to mental health, emotional health. And when I say environmental justice and how this is so important in ways that people have thought about, we have a high black infant mortality rate in Maple Heights. I was surprised, and it's been that way for 10 years. No one in the, in the whole city knew. Someone who's going through a great deal of stress at home, being close to nature, getting into their faith, this, this just getting away, it's a, it's a form of environmental justice too. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, kids, we're seeing these bees. The questions they ask, science outside of the classroom. Mom, tell me about bees. And all of a sudden you had to go, okay, well, maybe they go to the library and they want a book about bees because they heard, you know. So there's so many, it's not just a place to come in for your dog to poop or for your child to get them on the, the sliding or the playground equipment, which is important, so they're just not sitting in front of a TV because their bee season issue, right? Mm -hmm. It's them getting outside, it's sun on their face. Some of us can be in the darkest mood when the sun's outside, and it's just better because the sun's outside. Mm -hmm. All of those things are important, especially in an urban neighborhood, to get up, walk, obesity, depression, time along solitude's important, mm -hmm. reflection. All of that can happen in nature, in parks. Well, um, that bee? yeah, bee season. <laughs> um, so, we're maybe to sort of wrap up budget stuff, uh, stimulus money. You guys, uh, I'm guessing you're getting a nice check. Uh, Cleveland Heights is getting $40 million from the newest stimulus. And I think we're getting like 22, I think we're like 20, 20, I can't remember exactly the number, but yeah. Uh, it's been a lifeline, of course. Yeah. Because remember most of the workers here, the medium income in Maple Heights is a little bit less than 50,000. These are the people that are gonna work at Progressive Field. They're gonna work in these service industries. They're gonna work at the nursing home. They're the patient care assistants. They're dietary. So these are the people that were hit the hardest in the, those kind of professions. You can't work from home if your job is to serve food, prepare food for nursing home patients, or the vending stand at Progressive Fields if it's closed, or the hotel 
if they're closed. So uh, income tax collection was significantly down. Mm. Um, landlords were struggling paying property taxes because they weren't getting rent. And so it really was a lifeline for for, for City of Maple Heights. I laid off my own assistant, we cut back hours. Um, I cut out all of my line items for continuing ed and memberships, just bare minimum. Let's recycle paper clips. I mean, seriously, mm. just again, being very directing your activities and, 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 and adjusting your budget based on knowing what the budget is so that we could get through it. So we were able to uh, use that money to pay our, our safety officers salaries and be able to save and maintain the recovery we had. So when Keith Faber said, how in the world did you get out of fiscal emergency and care? Because we, we, we continue to behave and, and strategize based like we were still a fiscal emergency. And we're spending a little bit of money now, but we continue in that conservative fashion. But you have another boost coming, right? Yes. There's another chunk coming. There's and as, chunk. so maybe thinking that things are improving, Jacob's mm -hmm. Fields, or mm -hmm. Progressive Fields opening up, yeah. right? Like I'm hoping with Cleveland Heights, because Cleveland Heights, I don't think, I don't think Cleveland Heights took the hit that they thought yeah. some communities were going to. We, right. we, we got lucky uh, in many ways, but um, $40 million, you could do something transformative right. potentially. Like, right. do you have anything you'd like to do? That's I'm looking for interesting things that people are gonna do with this sort of like one-time kick, you know? Well, I can't tell interesting, I'll tell you something practical because we have been in a position to do interesting. Mm -hmm. That's probably five years away. Um, we have, snowplow trucks that are probably their their useful life you know coming from a tax background they're really really old we have police cars we had affluent police departments donate police cars so we don't have a uniform police force they're blue cars white cars green cars because people donated them to us um, the relationships we had there's been a lot a lot of generosity a lot of support um, through relationships my employees have relationships people wanting to be a part of our success um, so we've got safety, our, our, our equipment, is, is, it's not functional, it's not safety, it's very costly to repair. So the money that we're able to save in the general fund um, by being able to use that money for salaries, we'll be able to buy, move to, to buy some equipment, some new police cars, a new snow truck, a new service truck, a, what do you call it, the, the guy, this bucket truck, they need a new bucket truck to, to you know, for, uh, they need a, a watering truck because of these flowers that I want. Mm -hmm. We've not had those luxuries. Mm -hmm. um, we were hoping for the gas tax to do some more road repair, but to be honest, to put it neatly, equipment and infrastructure, the infrastructure in Maple Heights is broken, it's unsafe, it's very, very old. So I don't have anything interesting, I don't have that luxury, it's practicality for us. Well, Cleveland Heights is looking at uh, by some estimates, a $300 million sewer issue. Mm -hmm. Then we have a consent decree going with the EPA right now. Uh, there's, they're trying to figure that out. I think it's another area where we hope the mayor right. is going to be someone that can, you know, Biden's proposing this massive infrastructure yeah, thing, right? Exactly. Like, we can we can we leverage some of that? But like a city council, they got to have 50 meetings, and no one is driving the bus. It's like you know, I think the hope, my hope, when I, in supporting this was that that person will be nimble and proactive, you know? Um, and uh, like you said, and be good in a meeting, you know? It's like when you, when our council members go and talk to someone like about business development or whatever, they can't promise anything. They can't make any promises. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, you guys have Purell, uh, right? Explain that new uh, relationship, right? I'm sure that's one you're proud of. How I'm did that, super proud. How did that one? How did that one come to be? Well, public relations. I, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll explain that. Uh, Gojo is the maker of Purell, and they make their surface spray here. You know what you see restaurants use the red bucket and the rags gone away. We, my my fam, my daughter's visiting. Um, she's at a fellowship in Alabama, and she's visiting. I took her to Michael's Winery, and they were using the Purell spray. I'm like, that's what they make in Maple Heights, yeah. <laughs> so. Um, they, I don't know the other city they were looking at. My relationship with the county, my relationship uh, with several business persons, uh, realtors, commercial real estate brokers looking at Maple Heights and being in the news, they said, you know, there's a great space in Maple Heights. Uh, and it had been dark for maybe 15 years. We used to make like a, a car wax lubricant or something next to the, We have a rail, a rail here. There was hmm. rail. They wanted rail. They Usable want rail. Yeah. yeah. Mm. They wanted something close to the highway because they're in Akron. We're just minutes from Akron. Whether you want to go eight, seven, however, go straight down eight or 77, however you want to go. And they got a fantastic mayor because leadership matters. Do I have a partner in City Hall? Do I have an executive in City Hall that will understand my business needs, that will answer my calls? They will make it happen. If I so it's like Kevin Costas Field of Dreams, you know, if we bring I mean if we build it, will they come? Will she make sure? And so I believe all of that was a, a big part of it. And um, so when I got the call, we had basically like less than twenty days to make this happen. Hmm. And we worked feverishly and quietly, had a very had just hired a very competent E D from another city. Um, he knew the language. They were very clear they did not want to do, and I understand abatements, of course. They did not want to do abatement that would take money to schools. They wanted to be a partner. That's not the... Well, that's refreshing. Yeah, they didn't want it. You know, they like, <laughs> we're coming to a city that's struggling, yeah. and we're making it. It doesn't look good. They didn't want that. But what they want, I said, well, I'll tell you what we can do. The road needs to fix. I will get the road repaired by the time you open. I'll get new LED lighting. Um, just some, some things that uh, we'll get some signage. We'll do the press release. We'll do whatever you want in addition to this abatement. And that's all they wanted. And so I had many phone calls, you know, one-on-one -on -one with the executives of, of that company, Sundays, Mondays, I don't care when they called, we talked. We put together a welcoming committee, the police chief, the fire chief. We told them how much we wanted them. We said our city needs you. This is the right thing, to our, our citizens need you. This administration needs you. Be a part of something. You're a great company, and I'd done my research. And I just was so enthusiastic about it. Um, and I made a connection by just being the mayor and being someone who was able to say, I will deliver everything I promised to you. And I did it, and I did it maybe a week ahead of schedule. Um, and what's the bottom line? Jobs and like, what, how much money are you able so, to speculate? What you think is gonna? So they put $25 million in rehab in the building. Um, over two years, they were supposed to hire 100 employees and be like $11 million payroll. Wow, yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, another topic uh, that is interesting probably for anybody in Cleveland Heights is this job of safety director. So, uh, you know, I think, in a, Police are necessary. I mean, are you on the side of things? The police are a necessary thing, unfortunately. So uh, we had a woman carjacked in Cleveland Heights two weeks ago, yeah. uh, and her car ended up in a chase from Maple Heights to Warrensville Heights. It's like we're all connected, we're all right? Connected. Whether we want it, whether we want to be or not, we're all connected, right? Yeah. So as safety director, what would you tell the people running for mayor 
of Cleveland Heights on how to handle, what are the tips you'd have for handling that job? Well, what I do is I, I, I'm very much in contact with my police and fire chief, so every time there is something that is newsworthy or there is, uh, there's a death, I'm on the phone and we're talking about it. We, we're looking at crime statistics, we're partnering, it's kind of like the fire department mutual aid, we're looking at what the trend is nationally. We're, we're uh, partnering with SWAT and some other teams. We're now looking perhaps at maybe a license plate reader. We're trying to find the best practices, but the job of safety director is to really to be the liaison between the police and the public. Mm. He or she doesn't create policy. I don't have the criminal justice or the bomb training. I have some very, very skilled policemen, years of military, uh, special forces, sharpshooters. That's their skill set. And so whenever I get off the call, I say, the first thing, when you finish is the report, are the men okay? How are the men? How are you? They need a champion. So I don't put forth policies. I don't put forth plans. I'm a liaison, we discuss it, but I, I, I look and I challenge the police department in your relationships with other police, with your research, with your, a lot of them have criminal justice. Our police chief is an attorney. With your background, there's a lot of research. Tell me what you think is going to work. Look at other cities, bring it, and let's discuss it. But my everyday role is to be the voice to the public because they're going to attack them, especially people in, in, in uniform right now. Um, and to pray for them, to motivate them. And the other big part is to hold them accountable. If their behavior is questionable, and it's very it's slippery slope for me. My police department is predominantly white. Mm. My residents predominantly black and I'm black. I have the questions in private with them about those issues that I'm not gonna put on Front Street because mm -hmm. we're partners. They're open to discuss they're open to the they're discussion open to discuss. though. Is that that's gotta be new ish in the last six years, right? That, that they've learned to be more open yeah. because we're gonna have it mm -hmm. because it's me. And I look like some of the victims that have been victimized. But I don't do it in an accusatory way. I do it in a way that's relatable. I'm a black person. I'm a mother of two black sons. The Black Lives Matter, you know, well, what about Blue Lives Matter? We, we had to have a discussion about that. We've got to respect the positions because it comes from a place of, of you know, police came from slave patrols. Let's, let's, let's go to the history of this, okay? Understand the sensitivity, the terror, the, the, the victimization, the horror of it all. Understand that. You're in your role, but at the end of those decisions, some good and some bad, and some have been very bad. A lives lost, it can't be, you know, we can't bring that person back. And so we have discussions in those environments, in person, we're united, but there's accountability, there is an understanding. Um, I set the tone there. I set the tone, the accountability is there, and the messaging is clear. But I don't address the carjacking, I don't have the policy to maybe fix that, or. We're hoping the federal government would help us with gun legislation and gun control. It is me really being that non-police person, that leader that says, we're one team. Is that typical across the region? I don't think so, don't know. But I know that's something I do intentionally. I get criticized for that. My mm. family, friends, I can't stand with them. I mean, you're so supportive of your police. Like what's the city like if that's just an antagonistic relationship, right? Like that's not the exactly. You can't. Um, but I know their. It's wives. not good. It's not healthy, but right? But I know their wives. Right. I've seen their babies. 
I, I know the humanity of them. Right. Before they're in the uniform and out of uniform. And someone, and that their mothers, you know, and I swear the men and moms and grandmas and all these people come, they're so happy that their son or daughter is, is a police officer, this is mm -hmm. pride. They worry about them. Just like mothers, black mothers, Asian mothers worry about, they, those police officers, they got people worrying about them too and love them too. So every day they get in that car, whether it's a traffic stop or apprehending somebody that's in a carjacking, their lives in danger. You know, I hear when their babies are born, I, you know, I've got a little girl, six pounds. So it gets personal when you work with people close like that. Mm -hmm. It gets personal. There's a genuine care and respect. And so I think it motiv I'd like to believe it motivates them to, to do even better and the sensitivity because it's an understanding because they receive that understanding and that clarification from me. Mm -hmm. So all black people aren't dangerous because the mayor is a really nice lady. I know her. I know her kids. All black people aren't suffering from mental health or on drugs. So they can't I remove the stereotypes because we're, that's why diversity and inclusion is so important in mission statements with corporations. You're less likely to judge or fear me if you know me. Mm -hmm. There's, you're less likely to, to say something racist or, or, or sexist if you know me. Mm -hmm. It's a stranger. It's, it's the propaganda that makes me say, oh, I don't live around those people. They're dirty, they're dirty, you know. And so I, I, I'm able to break whatever, wherever town they come from, whatever school training. Okay, that's your police training. This is the real world. Cleveland Heights is an interesting place in that respect too because we're constantly dealing with people want to like cordon off like the Catholic you know, crowd, yeah. the Orthodox Jewish crowd the public schools crowd, which is mostly African-American right, now. Right. And yet it's one of the most, if you just look at it, it's super diverse, super but it's diverse. like also super segregated in its own way. But people, and people hate that, you know, the yes. segregation part of it, but it's like trying to find that connective tissue among such different people is tricky, you know? But it's interesting. The, it's tolerance. Yeah, right. But the police, and it's funny, because in Cleveland, you'll have a lot of people who want to abolish the police in principle, but then they're like, oh, Annette Mecklenburg, our police chief, she's the most respect, one of the, probably the most one of the most is. respected people in Cleveland she Heights. Is. She is. And they took the same and, name. and they I love it. <laughs> and they took and you know our judge is um, you know and our and our police they took a knee when the kids marched to city hall. You know it's like they do they do, yeah. but it's you know it's just so complicated. You know and it's, it, but it, it's very complicated. But it's right, it's base. We have to call it out. We have to say the words, mm -hmm. and that's. I can see people cringe when I say the words, but we have to call it out. If I'm retaliating, I called in my police chief and fire chief especially. Did you ever, we have an issue in black if I'm retaliating? No. How are you the mm. fire chief? Well, you know, we go and babies are dead. It's because they're sleeping. No, it's not. So we're good. you're going to go to black infant mortality class so you understand. Mm -hmm. It's not because the baby was sleeping on their stomach. They had no clue. And so, yeah, and, and he was just so visibly shaken like we watched a movie um, they had watched a, a, it was down at the film festival and I had them bring it to Maple Heights and I made all my directors sit through it wasn't like a dry out they just couldn't believe how she was dismissed you know she was she was telling her her OB who's the Indian doctor I'm having this unusual pain she was an attorney because they think it's these poor black people no it's professional people more professional black women are losing babies because we're in high-stress jobs mm. and all you may be going through you know 
teenager or second. We don't know what the issues are. It's, it's, and so, but there, there was a stereotype and here's this high powered attorney and she's, she's at work and she's having these, these, these pains and she's telling her, and she's married, and she's telling her husband, he's, and Dr. Simmons is like, well, you know, maybe just go home, take a few days off. She ends up losing the baby and you could just see the pain and devastation of this family on the screen. But really sharing suffering in a way that's relatable. All of a sudden people, everybody, didn't matter, felt the loss of that black baby and the pain of that black mother in that movie. Mm -hmm. it, when you bring it to the, where it's undeniable, mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's a different, so in other words like, there's this commitment, not just the black mayor, everybody's like, what are we doing to black, okay, black and they're there. Mm -hmm. They get it, they go, wow, we didn't know. Education, exposure. A couple more things and I'll let you go. Sure. Um, you sued Netflix and Hulu? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> I'm fascinated by that and I love how proactive you were in that. If they're like, you know, Spectrum has to pay provider fees, right? So explain how that went down. Oh, that was difficult. I just went through the deposition um, last week. So I was actually contacted by a third party who's a local business owner here and said, I'm not sure if you're aware but um, there's some other cities and there's a class action suit. People know, and, and, I, and in the deposition, you know, people are saying, you know, uh, cash rep cities going after Hulu, you know, there was an article. They know that I look for sources of revenue. I don't think that's something to apologize for. Not sources of revenue that are not, that we don't deserve, but if there's a source of revenue, I wanna look into, if there's a grant that we should be applying for, I wanna apply for it. Um, so, when when I when when the businessman he's a very successful local businessman I said you know I hadn't heard of it um, I, I barely like watched that stuff uh, I mean I watch regular TV you know you're just busy mm -hmm. and I was in school and just finished another class so I said um, send me the information he says well I'll do better would you mind talking to the attorney here that's handling it because I don't have all the questions in here he said sure give me a call have him give me a call so he calls me an hour later and this attorney's kind of giving me a high level and said you know. There's streaming fees. The Ohio Act, I'm trying to remember some of the terminology, Ohio Act says that if they, their satellites or whatever you want to call are in the right of way, cities right away, they should be paying this provider's user fee. I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, that makes sense. And I remember looking at, the, at our finance reports, a Spectrum pays the fee, um, AT&T, and wow, we get fees. Right. As I checked with the finance. Cable or DSL coming over, mm -hmm. right? Coming but over the lines. But they don't. They, right. They're supposed. They're. They're the way they do it is supposedly different. Um, so, I said, okay, this is interesting. But I'm an attorney, so I said, so I call my law director. I said, I just had a conversation with this attorney. It's over my head. Um, I I get the core of, and I think we. I think there's a case here. I think there's a discussion we should have. Would you talk attorney to attorney to your attorney and tell me if this makes sense? So my law director talked to him about a week later. He said, I think we've got something here. Um, it could be quite a bit, and they should. I mean, we've got these, you know, these, whatever these things, devices are in the right of way. And we had had a discussion. The it's almost like Spectrum. They want, Hulu wants Spectrum to pay the fee on yeah. their behalf. Cuyahoga sort Mayors. of like, because that's where they're getting their cable. You know, people get their cable and their internet. But if you're on Hulu, you're just using the internet portion you of just Spectrum. Use it. That's, that's, the, right. that's mm -hmm. their position. So uh, we said, you know what? Maple Heights is uh, known for doing innovative things. 
I'm all about winning for if we might be the president to test pilot because there's other cities that probably should be doing the same thing. I will do it. So I went through a grueling, grueling deposition with attorneys from Netflix and Hulu about a week ago hmm. um, who believe that um, it's because we are a cash trip city and we're going into big giants like that. and. And possibly this could be additional fees for our residents, and I am not cognizant of that or sensitive to that. And why would I do that? <laughs> um, well, the law is the law. We have an right? ordinance too, and so I. Oh, is, okay. So you're, you're, you make sense to, for this lawsuit because of, you have a specific ordinance we have too. An ordinance. Okay. Yes. So it's my job to make sure that ordinances are, you know, that we, that we follow through, and the law director. And so we're just really uh, asking us to respect our ordinance of being do business in Maple Heights. So we'll see how that goes. Yes, I did. I did. So another uh, topic that you guys have dealt with that would be interesting to people in Cleveland Heights is you uh, changed your escrow uh, program, which is uh, like my brother and sister-in-law bought a house that hadn't been lived in in 10 years. Right. But the city of Cleveland Heights made them put 45 grand additional into escrow and they did most of the work themselves you know then they yeah. and they and they did it over time but still what a burden right it like if for, especially for some family you know we're talking about you know homes that are 80 to 120 thousand dollars here right yes. like and then you have to put an additional 20 yes. grand into escrow right. makes it an impossibility in many cases so how is that gone and how did you what was the policy how did you change it and how's it gone the policy was exactly what you have in Cleveland Heights and when I was campaigning, I campaigned for about 13 months, I would hear from residents, you know, I'd love this house, but I don't own it. I'd love to buy it, but I can't come up with a down payment in the escrow. Is there something you will do when you, 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 you go to, you know, you, if you win? And again, I'm taking notes. A lot of realtors reached out to me. We have been trying to have a conversation for Maple Heights for over a decade about this escrow. There are so many people that want to live in your city. They're close to downtown. You guys have a great shopping. Uh, you're close to everything. There's some development. We believe that the, the entering suburbs are coming back. But we can't sell a, a home in Maple Heights. The, the uh, Akron Cleveland Association of Realtors came and made a present. I said, well, let me understand that no one would listen. I said, if I win, I'll have the conversation. So when I won, I understood it up here, but I want to understand it nuts and bolts. Testimony after testimony, people that, you know, almost, I'd be in a restaurant. Are you going to do something about escrow? They talked about the way they were treated when they came to our building department. Well, you know, can't afford it. Oh, well, there was just no, there was no way, there was no route. It was just, oh, well. And we were losing, you know, part of the city's uh, executive's job is to, we have to compete. I'm competing with other cities. You choose Maple Heights, Warrensville. There's a competition to be able to be to compete, not in a difficult way. It's just it's capital. I mean, you, you compete. You know, I sell shoes, you sell shoes. I have a you know. So how do I compete if someone's looking at a house, a bungalow in Garfield Heights and Maple Heights and more? How do what's different? How do you choose? And city services are a big part of that. But how do I how do I get the house? And uh, there were many people that were choosing Maple Heights, and I was being told, but because of this escrow. So the first year, I really tried to figure out what we'd lose, and I saw this money in um, the escrow fund that people just never came back to get, or I said, this is ridiculous. Worked a lot with council, had Akron Cleveland Associate Builders come to a presentation to council to get them to understand. 
and it just became kind of a rallying cry. We have to do this. If we're gonna change the quality of life, we're gonna increase home ownership, which is a barrier to wealth, which is a form of racism and redlining. If we're going to do that as elected officials of color, this is a way to begin to change that. Yeah. And after about a year and a half, they said, okay. There were a few that held down, but I got the majority votes. And it has been phenomenal. It you're has not, been a you're not seeing people skate on what they said they well, would they do. Well, they have to do an affidavit. This is they're going to live in the house. I think it's three years. I forget what the affidavit. You have to. That's to get an escrow waiver, essentially. Yes. Okay. You, you have. It has to be owner occupied. So flippers still have to pay. They have to flippers have to pay. This okay. is an owner occupied. It says that it has mm -hmm. to be owner occupied, and I think it's three. You have to stay there for three years. Now, if you want to flip it after three years, cool. But three years. It's made a world of difference. Hmm. People still come to me and thank me. Someone thanked me yesterday. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer. Are you hearing other communities are sniffing on this? Like, I, I, I think I think Garfield did it actually a couple of years before they did. I won. Okay, if I'm not mistaken, um, it just makes sense. Uh, I'm all for anything too, in terms of turning. Like the strongest communities, the homes are owned by people that live there, yeah. right? right? And like Cleveland Heights, so, like just to hit so hard by the financial crisis yeah. and these vulture investors that bought houses in Cleveland Heights and Eberhards for 20 grand, you know, and then our absentee landlords, they yeah, don't cut they, their they, lawn, they don't, like, they live overseas like, somewhere. Anything, right. anything you, are you doing anything to hold your absentee landlords uh, to a higher standard or, or to put pressure on them? Because I think that's something in Cleveland Heights that we mm -hmm. want to see. Well, we implemented uh, earlier this year an annual rental registration. We hadn't done that. So we can get updated phone numbers and addresses and names. Right, who do you sue sometimes, right? Yeah, you don't so even know, some LLC, like some how do you? LLCs are the worst as you know. Right. But annual rental registrations, um, it's a start and uh, we've had some, a lot comply more than we thought. We probably have about a 30%, uh, almost 30% compliance rate as a way to try to, to, to get to it. We mm -hmm. try to look for mail, you know, we, we do, we're just trying. And so this annual rental, rental registration is one way to do it, but it's, it's a problem. It took a long time to get here and it's gonna take a long time to, to really change it. But as values go up and they're going up significantly, they're gonna be incentivized to sell. Right. Or not to get put in, or not to have the proper, like right. so many landlords in Cleveland right. Heights, I feel like we've got some, I bought a house for 10 grand, I'm going to collect rent and then I'll walk from it when right. they finally take it from me. But yes. if the houses have more value, maybe you're right. Maybe they'll be incentivized. I believe to, that's, I, I believe the role of the boom in the real estate is going to force their hands because they can extend and go, you know, go away. So uh, we need more help. And, and I worked very closely in my job uh, as a property tax uh, uh, analyst. Border revisions. We need border revisions and we need sheriff's auctions. We need that part of our judicial system to, to help us these local communities push it through. They think they got three years, so they're gonna put you in there, collect for three years. It'll take three years to catch up with me. But if we can, and I don't wanna, I'm not slamming them, but if we can speed that process up, maybe they'll take their cash and just move on. Mm -hmm. And this becomes a house, uh, an arms and sales transaction, you know, yeah. owner occupied. We share a uh, yes. uh, congressional seat with, with you guys. Um, Marsha Fudge's seat is up. Um, uh, who are you backing, if you're backing anyone and why? Uh, it would be Chantel Brown. Um, her mother is a Maple Heights resident, so I actually know her. Um, when I ran for council in 15, I had ice cream social on my deck, and she came just to support me. Her mother told her that a woman was running, <coughs> a woman of color, 
and um, just always been really supportive. We're in the same room a lot, and I've watched her infectious personality, her, excuse me, um, just our commitment. I've witnessed the mentorship between her and the congresswoman. I think she'll be a great addition to Congress. It's an interesting race, though, huh? It's a very interesting race. Very interesting. Uh, it's unusual in Cuyahoga County for an outsider who's not sort of part of the machinery of Cuyahoga County to sort of maybe even have like a chance, right? Like, are you, would you, um, do you feel like we have a couple of good candidates or are you just, are you no, just I team shot? Oh, yeah. no, 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 mm -hmm. no, I do. I believe that Nina Turner is a great candidate. I think she's a strong candidate. Um, if I didn't have the relationship or the more personal knowledge and hadn't had the chance to, to know Chantel, I probably would support Nina Turner. She's been in politics a long time. She she reminds me herself, she's aggressive. She doesn't take no for an answer. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think she's great. I think the trouble is she's been removed for some, some time and, mm -hmm. and people feel, you know, she's, she's uh, very Washington already, I'll leave it there. So any final thoughts? The people of Cleveland Heights will be listening to this as uh, any advice for the people of Cleveland Heights on what to expect? Should we have lower expectations out of the gate as someone gets into this position for the first time? No. Or and, and advice for the candidates? Um, I, I would not say lower the expectations. You'll be lowering them the whole four years. I, I don't know what the terms are. Uh, I think people have to understand that this is a business. People hate when I say that it's true. I mean, it's a $30 million business. Um, you should be looking for someone with a business background. They've got to run a business. They've got to feel comfortable in a boardroom. They've got to look at a prospective business person or existing business person and deliver, you're selling, you're selling the city of, of, of Cleveland Heights to stay, to expand, to invest, to partner in some of those public partnerships. Uh, they, they, they need to be able to, to articulate a, a vision. So they need to have a vision and a strategy and need to share it often. They need to share it often. Um, so the people begin to can, can get around and support it and understand it and, and, and then tie the moves they make, the comments they make, the programs they introduce, the things they pursue to that vision. It should make sense. People become very invested in, in the administration and the person and, and he or she will have great success when you have the support of the people. You know, you literally carry the city on your back and you need some people to kind of help you with that weight. And if you share the vision, people say, hey, let me, let me be a part of that. Uh, Cleveland Heights has had some hits with with uh, making this decision. It wasn't an easy decision. They should expect a lot. Uh, they're changing something that's been, what, over 100 years this has been the government. They're looking for something different and they should get exactly what they've asked for. Thanks for joining us. You're very welcome. You're very welcome.